If you would, take your Bible then and turn to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, and I'm going to read verses 38 through 42. Luke 10, verse 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. She had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Martha was cumbered about much serving, came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. So tonight we're looking at Mary and Martha and the conquest of the unimportant. The unimportant. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege we have to assemble together. Thank you for we can sing praises in thy glorious name, encouraging our hearts in song and hymns. Uh, I pray, Father, as we look in the Word of God, that we'd be encouraged and challenged. And uh, Father, I pray as we again study these Bible characters, that we learn and grow uh, from, from their lives and the things that they did right and the things that they did wrong. And uh, so, Father, that's, that's the Christian life, is continual growth. So, Lord, just help us. Give us understanding and wisdom into thy truth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> you know, the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus and Simon. Now, a lot of you are saying, Simon? Yeah, Simon. If you actually go to Mark chapter 14 and Matthew chapter 26, you're going to find it's in the house of Simon the leper that Mary broke the spike nard, Mary, the sister of Martha. Um, and it's also recorded in John chapter 12, but there it just doesn't say it's the house of Mary or Martha. Here it says, enter her house. Now, but anyway, Simon, I believe, was Simon the leper. Now, don't ask me to prove that. That's just... Um, the reason I believe that is... Obviously, there is a relationship between Simon in Matthew 26 and Mark 12 and Mary and Martha in John chapter 12. We'll see this a little bit later. But, but anyway, um, Simon, you know, some reason it says here it's, it refers to as Martha's house. There it refers to as Simon, the house of Simon the leper. Uh, of course, lepers were cast out of society. Now, you can, you can, you know, I looked and searched and see, tried to find out who was Simon, who was Martha. Were they husband and wife? Were they brother and sister? Nobody says. You know, when you, if, you know, like comment, commentators do, you know, if you're looking for something difficult to understand in the scripture, don't look for commentators because they say it's difficult too and they don't give you any answers. So you just have to search the scriptures and come to your own conclusions. But anyway, <laughs> nobody says anything about it. But, you know, it's, it's possible that, he may have been another brother, maybe an older brother, but twice it refers to as Simon's house. Once it refers to as Martha's house. If he was a leper, he would have been cast out of society, probably lost the rights to his house because he's to be, he's to be cast, put into a leper's colony. But 
But I believe in Matthew, I think it's Matthew 8, where the leper comes to him and kneels down and, and asks the Lord to cleanse him, and the Lord did. Because he said, Lord, if, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And the Lord did cleanse him. So I believe that's who it is. But anyway, this house, this home was a spatial, special, spatial, special place for the Lord during his three and a half years of ministry. You know, somebody came to Jesus and said he would follow him, and whether and Jesus said, remember Jesus said, you know, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, son of man hath not where to lay his head. And, you know, as you read the account of Jesus' three and a half year ministry, which, which the Gospels uh, cover, uh, you know, he left Nazareth in Luke chapter 4, and it doesn't indicate that he ever went back there. That would have been his home. So he really didn't have a home. But this was his home away from home. And they continually, as we'll see some other places, they continually opened their home for him. So as we think about, but I want to look at Mary and Martha tonight in particular, not Lazarus and not Simon. That's just, you know, that's additional. You can pay extra for that and put it in the offering. No, just kidding. But anyway, I want to look at Martha and Mary and some contrasts. And, 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 and try to encourage us and challenge us in our walk with the Lord. First of all, about Martha. Martha. She was, first of all, she was devoted to the Lord. Now, in Luke 10 here in verse 38, it says, Now it came to pass as they went, they entered a certain village. This is Jesus and his disciples. A certain woman named Martha received him into her house. She received him. Uh, Luke 19.5, this word received is used three other times in the New Testament. Luke 19, 5 and 6 says, When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste come down and received him joyfully. Acts 17, and verse 7, at Thessalonica, it says, Whom Jason hath received, and these all do contrary to decrees of Caesar, saying there's another king, one Jesus. So they had made insurrection against Jason's house, and this is what they accused him of. The, he's received these people. In other words, it was the disciples of the Lord that he received. Uh, J- James 2.25, Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and sent them out away another way. Uh, so in each of these cases, the actions they did was to put their own lives at risk. It was someone they believed in and they were willing to identify with. And that's really what it means. It means to take in. And Martha was willing to take Jesus in. You know, Jesus wasn't popular. This was, you know, Bethany was close to Jerusalem, and Jesus wasn't particularly popular at Jerusalem. In fact, he was very unpopular at Jerusalem. But Martha was willing to take him in. She would receive him into her house. You know, this was a public statement, you might say, of identification with him. So she had believed on him as the Lord and as the Savior. And it appears that she's a woman of means, of some affluence or some wealth, you know, a prominent person in Bethany, because her house is mentioned several times, and many believe that, that she was a person of means. So, so she was devoted to the Lord. And we see this in the fact that she received him. She also served him. And... and uh, <clears throat> Verse 40, it says, Martha was cumbered about much serving. And we'll say more about that later. But in John 12 and verse 2, now this is 
later, a later time, uh, after, after actually the resurrection or the raising of Lazarus, says in 12, chapter 12 of John, verse 1 and 2, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead, there they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. So here we see Martha served. The word served here means to wait at the table, to offer food and drink to guests, to minister, to supply food and the necessities of life. So when Jesus left his home in Nazareth, there's no record, again, no record of him returning there. And as I mentioned, you know, he, he mentioned that he didn't have a place to put his, lay his head. But this home of Martha, for it seems it was hers or Simon's, you know, I think it was both. But anyway, it was a place where he knew he was always welcome and he could find rest, comfort of home, and provisions for the body. Food. You know, I believe Martha was one of those people who kept a house that was spick and span. This would have been like a, like a, 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 a high-end bread and breakfast, where you know, he just didn't get breakfast, he got all the meals he needed for the day. And, not only that, but he was also given opportunity to teach there. So, she was, this was a lady who was devoted to the Lord. There's no question about that. She also gave evidence of gifts of ministering to others. Now, there's two things I want to notice here. Her use of the, first of all, her use of the gift of service. Again, in John chapter 12, it says, uh, in verse 2, There they made him a supper, and Martha served. Martha served. Now, Mary's there. But it doesn't say anything about Mary serving. Now Mary is going to do something else. And the Bible points that out. But it makes special mention that Martha served. So she, she, you know, she ministered to others uh, and she served the Lord Jesus and his disciples. And this wasn't just 13 of them. In fact, look at verse 9. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only. But they might, all, might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. So, so we don't know how many were there, but you know, it appears pretty certain that there was more than just Jesus and his disciples and, and Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Uh, in fact, uh, it mentions Simon, but it doesn't really say he was there. You know, he may have died, I don't know, because you know, leprosy is very debilitating. But, you know, of course, Jesus cleansed them of it. But, but anyway... Uh, there were others there besides that. We don't know how many. There could have been 5, 10, 15, 20, 40, 50. You know, who knows? But it's, it's obvious that Martha knew some how to administrate and how to, how, to, how to keep things in order and how to provide for the needs of people. And that's a good thing. That can also be a bad thing. Notice her abuse of this gift. Go to Luke chapter 10. Go back to Luke chapter 10. <clears throat> Luke chapter 10. 
and verse 38 through 40. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. She had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered. That word cumbered means she was troubled, she was burdened, she was distracted. About much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful. She's meticulous. But she's anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. So here we see the abuse of her gift. She was critical of others who were not serving as she was and complained to the Lord. You know, she was, she was critical of others that made time for the Lord even when it appeared there were physical needs that needed attention. You know, it was not every, you have to understand, it was not every day that Mary and Martha had the opportunity to listen to the Master's words. And Mary thought it of utmost importance. In fact, Jesus said, she hath chosen that good part. And that word good there means excelling in any respect. Distinguished. Spurgeon said this, Martha's frustration is typical of those who diligently serve with good intent, but forget to also sit at Jesus' feet. The Martha spirit says, if the work is done, is not that all? The Mary spirit asks whether Jesus is pleased or no. All must be done in his name and by his spirit or nothing is done, unquote. So, so she is... She is critical of Mary, who, who was sitting at Jesus' feet, when to her, the need was, look, we need to be worried about what these guys are going to eat, and where they're going to rest, and where they're going to do this and that. The second thing, is under the, the heading of abusing of the gift, she was occupied with what she thought the Lord should do. Well, this is kind of troubling, really. Look at John chapter 11. John chapter 11. <clears throat> Verse 21 and 22. Let's read verse 20 also. Then Martha, as soon as, the, as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been Mary, been here, my brother had not died. Now, nothing wrong with that statement. Okay, but here's here's the, here's the here's the where we start running into problems. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou would ask of God, God will give it thee. Now, my question is: Was she saying, "I expect you to do something"? I expect you to do something. Now. And, and, and the reason I say that is, let, let's look on, go on. Verse 23. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. 
Okay? Now, he didn't say when. But she does. She does. She says when she thinks he will rise. Notice verse 24. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection. And the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Look, you know, what Jesus is saying is, look, Martha, I'm the resurrection and life. I determine when a person's raised and when they're not. Not you. But see, she's got in her mind already how things should be. And if you drop on down to verse 38, Jesus therefore again groaning in himself coming to the grave, and it was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto the Lord, By this time he stinketh, for he was dead four days. Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? She tries to stop the Lord from opening the grave. See, she has in her mind what should happen. She's already got it planned out. Now, it's good for people to plan. I'm not saying planning's bad. But in our plans, we have to remember the Lord is sovereign, not us. And those plans are subject to change. And if the Lord so desires to change them, we need to submit to those changes. You know, sometimes we like to put God in our own little box or our own feelings and understandings instead of, 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 of learning uh, who the Lord really is and what his purpose is in our, is in our life. In, in, this, in this book, Nine Marks of a Healthy Church, Mark Dever said this, quote, I had made a statement in a doctrinal seminar about God. Bill responded politely but firmly that he liked to think of God rather differently. For several minutes, Bill painted a picture for us of a friendly deity. He liked to think of God as being wise but not meddling, compassionate but never overpowering, ever so resourceful but never interrupting. This, said Bill in conclusion, is how I like to think of God, unquote. My reply was perhaps somewhat sharper than it should have been. Thank you, Bill, I said, for telling us so much about yourself. But we are concerned to know what God is really like, not simply about our own desires. You see, Bill painted a picture of what he wanted God to be like. Not really what God was like. You know, Mary or Martha here is trying to guide the Lord as to what he should do. Not allowing him to make his own decisions. Now contrast with Mary. Verse 32. Verse 32 says this. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. Now, there's two things that are different in this response of Mary to Jesus than Martha's. Number one, she fell down at his feet. That's a posture of worship. 
giving him his rightful place. That's really what worship is, giving him his rightful place. The second thing, difference is, she didn't say, but I know that even now, whatsoever God will, you know, you will ask, God will give it thee. She gave no indication to him as to what he should do or what he could do. She simply said, you know, I know if you'd have been here, basically what she said, I know if you'd have been here, you'd have healed him. And that's probably 99.9% true. He would have healed him. Because he could have. There's no but. She simply accepted, and this is what it is, she simply accepted what the Lord had allowed and done by his not coming sooner. And what was done in the future was his, of his choosings. She wasn't going to try or tell him what he should do. Now, and I believe that a lot of this is simply the fruit of Mary spending that time at Jesus' feet where Martha was more concerned about what's he going to eat? Where's he going to sleep? So, thirdly, let's look at the fruit of their labors. Fruit of their labors. John 12 again, verse 1 and 2. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised to the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. So Martha is forever remembered for her loving service for the Lord. And it is no question about it that you know, it was service. It did enhance the Lord's ministry to others. You notice in verse 9, you know, because of her service, much people could come and spend time there with the Lord and with Lazarus and Mary. And witness, you know, Mary breaking this box of spikenard and anointing his feet. And by the way, Matthew and Mark tell us that she anointed his head. And you might say, well, there seems to be a contradiction. No, uh, Jesus said, you know, Jesus said that she's anointed my body. So, so I believe that she anointed more than just his head and more than just his feet. Or she anointed his head and his feet, and that was considered everything in between. Uh, but, you know, Mary and Martha is one that makes much of this possible. It was not all in vain, as one might think. However, this account and the mention in Luke is the only time she is mentioned. So she will be rewarded for her labors. Now let's look at Mary. Well, in verse 3 of John chapter 12, it says, Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard very costly, anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, Why is not this ointment sold for three hundred pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, and had the bag, and bare what was put therein. 
Then said Jesus, Let her alone. Against the day of my burying has she kept this. For the poor always you have with you, but me you have not always. Now, uh, go also to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26 and verse 6 says, Now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. When his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, so she anointed more than his head, you know, I believe maybe just the head and the, the feet, but anyway, that's not really that important. She did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in, this whole, in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her. Jesus said what, what Mary did would be told as a memorial, be a remembrance of her wherever the gospel's preached. You know, Mark tells us that, that he said that she had done what she could. And then it also makes that statement about a memorial for her. And, you know, Mary, and this I believe is the fruit of Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. And by the way, that sitting at the feet of Jesus refers to a custom of Jewish teaching uh, Paul in the book of Acts talks about how he was brought up at the feet of Gamaliel, the doctor of the law in Jerusalem. You know, so so they would often set at at, at set at the teacher's feet. That, that's kind of a, a just a picture of of the, the teaching and uh, symbolic of being instructed by one. And this is what Mary is known for. And and so because of this, she understood that Jesus would suffer and die and be resurrected. And so she brought this to anoint him for his burial. She was not among those who went to the tomb to anoint his body or to look for him. So this is recorded for us in the scriptures as a memorial of her. But I want you to notice something else about Mary. Go to John chapter 11. You know, she was able to receive comfort from others. And through which she testified, that is, she shared her faith in the Lord to others. And I believe the death burial and resurrection of Christ, bringing them to the Lord. If you notice in verse 28, it says, And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary. So Martha had went to meet Jesus. So she called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master has come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. That is Mary. (coughs) Mary arose. Now Jesus was not yet come into town, but was in that place where Martha met him. (coughs) Excuse me. The Jews... 
then, which were with her in the house, that is, with Mary, and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was, she saw him, and she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Now I'll drop over to verse 45. Then many of the Jews, which came to who? Mary. And had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. You see... Mary was of the spirit that could receive comfort and help from others. Where Martha, being more like the one that's in charge, had a hard time accepting help from others. You know, the Bible doesn't say. You know, it, it points this out, that Mary, there were those that come, came to comfort Mary. And here it is. And many of the Jews which came to Mary, it says. You know, sometimes if we give the impression that we have it all together, we have it all together. What that really is, giving people the impression that we are not really real. We can't be helped. We never have problems. Everybody has problems. It's just some people cover it up. Do you know, I like appreciate what Andrew said that one night in his testimony about the man saying there's too many hypocrites. Andrew said, I understand that. Because I was one at one time. See, that's being real. That's 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 like saying, see, I needed help. I need help. You know, Martha had it all together. That was her thing. Let's have everything in order. And Martha was distracted from the eternal by the physical needs that she saw around her and thereby missed opportunities of witness for the Lord. Now, this, this is a little... little difficult for me because if I if I'm working I have to think of myself remind myself all the time okay just because you're working in your lows getting something doesn't mean you can't take time to stop and talk to somebody hey I'm busy I got things to do don't bother me you know no sometimes we just need to take time there may be somebody we run into who's needs has some needs that day. But if we're not available, if we've got our own agenda and we're stuck on that, you know, this this was this was Martha's Martha's uh distraction. She was stuck on what she wanted, what she thought was right for the time, and and, and there there was an opportunity for the Lord to say, Hey, wait a minute, Martha. And he had to point it out to her. 
It wasn't that Martha is a wicked person. She was very devoted to the Lord. She desired to serve him. It was just a misplaced priority. And I don't believe that it was that Mary was lazy and sat at Jesus' feet all the time. It was just when the opportunity arise, if at all possible, she was going to make full advantage of it. It was a priority over physical things for her. See, Martha's emphasis was on that of lesser value. Spurgeon said, quote, Martha's frustration is typical of those who diligently serve with good intent, but forget to also sit at Jesus' feet. The Martha spirit says, if the work is done, it's not at all. Mary's spirit asks whether Jesus is well pleased. I think I already read this, unquote. What I was wanting to say was, um, D. Campbell Morgan said this, If we would be strong for service in the strength that prevents distraction and unrest, we must know what it is to find time amid all the duties of life to sit at his feet as disciples. Unquote. You see, Martha was concerned about the duties, overly concerned. And that's why Jesus said to her, Martha, Martha. Thou art cumbered, you're distracted, you're troubled about these things. You know, Martha would have been the person when, when Jesus was speaking to the 5,000 out in the hills of Judea, and it's getting late in the day, she just started to fret. What's going to happen to these people? I, I mean, if we send them away hungry, we, we've got to provide food. We've got we to gotta figure out a way. Mary would have sat there and said, hey, the Lord's keeping them here. The Lord will take care of it. He's the responsible one. He's sovereign. You know, the Lord never overlooks our needs. He's promised to supply all our needs. You know, Matthew 6 says, you know, we can't, or Matthew, or uh, Luke tells us you can't make your, 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 yourself taller, you know, and, and we're not to worry about uh, food and raiment. The Lord knoweth that we have need of these things. And so, we need to trust Him. We need to rest in Him. And because Mary took the time to sit and listen to the Master teaching, she understood those truths that Martha was having trouble grasping. And so, we have to learn to conquer the unimportant. You know, the things that we cannot take with us from this life are really the most important. Or the things we can take with us. I got that backwards. You know, I, was, I read a story the other day about a, a, a uh, <clears throat> man of means that died in, in a small town and and so the, the town gossip was trying to figure out how much he left behind. So he went to this lawyer that did almost all the, uh, the wills. And he said, I suppose you made the will out for, for so-and-so. He said, yes, I did. He said, well, how much would you be 
be willing to tell me uh, how much you left behind? And he said, yes, sir, I would. He left all of it. You know, all the things of this world we're going to leave behind. It's only the things that are eternal that we can take with us. And so we need, we need to think about, as we go through our days, as we go through life, what really is most important? What really is most important?